Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. You may know us better as Joni and Chachi. Right? SYSK Morning Edition. Yeah, I, I literally have had two sips of coffee. This is a, an unusual recording time. I'm not done. And it's weird. This is Stuff You Should Know, the podcast mm-hmm. from the revered website, HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, there are employers. Hey, they are. And they're where we get all of our information, right? That's right. With or the, well, most of it. Yeah. There's been like maybe two or three podcasts that we've done that didn't come from articles off the site. Yeah, but that's the basis. Right. Okay. Sure. And now everybody knows the secret. You can all go back to bed, right? I'd like to go back to bed. I know you will. Chuck, you've been here since 6.30 this morning. I know, I have. And like you said, that's two sips of coffee, whereas when we usually record, you have had 17 cups of coffee. <laughs> yeah. so. This is going to be an unusually sedate yeah. podcast about the sun. Yes, this is almost almost sun take two. I, th- I feel like this might make up a little bit for the awful sun cast we did. I don't. I don't think that's correct. No? And I don't think it's Sun Take Two. I think the Sun comes in for a guest appearance, a cameo, if you will. <laughs> right. But there's nothing that's ever going to make up for how the Sun works. Okay. Although there was something, um, I think my favorite fact from the Sun podcast was that you remember in the core of the Sun, yes, um, there's just helium bouncing all over the place. Sure. And um, what I think a, a proton gets loose or a neutron, and it gets picked up by something else, and like this change in mass is displaced energy, and that displaced energy takes the form of a photon. Remember the tiny packet of light? Yes. Here's the here's the kicker, and I know you remember this. It takes a photon 100,000 years to travel from the core of the sun to the surface, mm-hmm. and then once it leaves the sun, it takes eight minutes to get to Earth? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. All of a sudden, it hauls, hauls butt. Yeah. 100,000 years. So the light that hits your skin, Chuck, is... 100,000 years and eight minutes old. Wow. Didn't think of it that way. Well, now you will. That's a great sun fact. So um, I, I have a better intro than that. All right, let's hear it. Apollo 17. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the last Apollo mission. Uh-huh. 1972. These guys are training to go to the moon. One last time, let's get some people on our, on, on the moon. Right. All right? Um, Nixon's in office. Everybody's really unhappy. Um, so they're training, but there's a huge problem. There's a predicted solar flare coming, and not just any solar flare, a mega flare, Chuck. The last one seen of such magnitude was 150 years before. Right? What, what, what does it do? A solar flare, a mega flare. Yeah. You know, a solar flare shoots protons. Yeah, yeah. Um, out, like highly radioactive protons out into the, out into space. And at Earth, right? Mm-hmm. Earth has a magnetic field that deflects these things, or else they'd hit Earth's surface and us, yeah. these radioactive protons, at about a million to three million kilometers per hour. So what's a mega, just a souped up version of that? Well, that's that's the mega version, yes. Yeah, so say oh, that is half version. a million kilometers an hour. Okay. It's way more protons. They're way more radioactive, and they reach much further out in space. It's just like a huge cough from the sun. Now, like I said, we have a magnetic field. The moon does not have a magnetic field. So any astronaut standing on the moon when this solar oh, flare erupted would have gotten shot through with these radioactive protons and either would have been burned on the spot uh-huh. or would have just received a lethal dose of radiation sickness. Wow. 
So they called it off or did, postponed it? Uh, luckily, the solar flare occurred between Apollo 16 and Apollo 17. Oh, uh, okay. So Apolo 17 went up on December 2nd, 1972, I think, um, and the solar flare took place in August of 1972. So they escaped it. About six months or so. But isn't it crazy that they could have conceivably been standing on the moon yeah. and just been like... Like something out of the movies. It Kind of like um, Sunshine. Oh, yeah. You saw that? I didn't think you saw that. No, remember we talked about it. it was, the first half was just yeah, okay. classic. Yeah. yeah. God, I've never seen a movie go off the rails like that. But I know. It was so good. It was astounding. I know. I really wanted it to finish off because Danny Boyle's the best. So yeah. I was... I'm on Team Boyle all the way. You are? Yes. Um, but it raises the question. It raises an interesting point. Because I think we all know the answer to the question posed in this podcast. Can the sun kill you, Chuck? This is a Chuck Bryant special. Yeah. It's a little elementary, I thought. I, I disagree. When was it from? Oh, it's from a long time ago. But uh, I don't know. Like My introductions back in the day, were I thought they were like written for like grade school. Do you want to read the first sentence? I uh, wanted to almost get Robert Lehman here to do a dramatic <laughs> reading just of the first sentence. Anyone who's ever made it through the fifth grade can probably tell you that the sun is a star. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny how somebody, I imagine your editor, went back and was like, well, there's not necessarily every person that we can say with confidence can tell you that if you've made it through fifth grade. So let's put probably in there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, the answer, can the sun kill you, is most certainly yes. A resounding yes, and not just by standing on the moon. In a, uh, a mega flare. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's plenty of ways here on Earth that the sun can get you. Basically, the point of this podcast is don't ever leave your house again, right? That's right. And you, <laughs> Mr. Tan Man, I got to. Do you not wear sunscreen? Um, I, I do. I wear 70 on my face. No, you don't. I swear to God, I wear 70. <laughs> then why is it every time you come in, like on a Monday, you'll have like this bronze dark face and you're like, oh, I was at the beach? So I have, um, Either Greco, Italian, <laughs> Jewish, or some Mediterranean, possibly Native American in me somewhere down the line. That's yeah, popping up. I That's, understand. I tan extremely well. <laughs> but if you've got on 70, you can't tan. So how is it defeating the sunblock? I can tan. <laughs> Clearly I can. And I promise you, I really do wear 70. I don't right. wear enough sunblock care, like you know? I should. I know, and I appreciate that. Um, I don't wear as much sunblock as I should, but, um, like everywhere. Yeah. Cause there's just so much of me. I, I get bored like halfway through. And there's only so much sunblock. It, it clumps in like my hair. <laughs> right. So like I can't get it rubbed in, but. Right. Yeah. Well, it's not the seventies, you know. Remember in the seventies, so it was just baby oil. Yeah. Go out in the sun. You actually, yeah, kind of roast yeah. yourself like a turkey. Plus right. I'd be wearing a medallion right now if it were the seventies. <laughs> That's right. Boy, Lizzie's just cracking up yeah. in there. Yeah, guest, uh, guest producer Lizzie. Catch her early in the morning and we're funnier. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and get going here with the first way. And then the, the first couple are this, the really the money is at the end of this podcast, the most interesting part. Okay, before we, uh, we announce it, can we get a drum roll for the first way the sun can kill you here on Earth? Drum roll, please. It is heat stroke. That's right. Yeah, it's most obviously, uh, you know, everyone knows that the body cools itself down by sweating. You get hot, your body temperature goes up a little bit, the sweat kicks in. In my case, it can be cold outside and the sweat still kicks in. Yeah. I'm or never... you could be in like a 50 degree body of water. Yeah. In sweat a wet kicks suit. in. Yeah. <laughs> I will never die of heat stroke, but you can die of heat stroke. It's when your body 
temperature rises above 104 degrees and mm-hmm. stays there yeah. for a prolonged period. Yep. And um, that basically means, you know, you can't find shade. It's probably, you're either an infant stuck in a car, which is the saddest. That's yeah, pretty awful. You're elderly and you're, you know, somehow shut in or infirmed and your, like, power goes out, mm-hmm. which is equally as sad. Mm-hmm. Or you're probably trapped if you're just a healthy adult out in the desert or something. Right. And heat stroke, there's three things. Heat stroke's the third in a series of escalating problems, right? Yeah. You have heat cramps and then heat exhaustion and then heat stroke. Yeah. And when you have heat stroke, you're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so your body has two ways of cooling itself down. Sweating, like you said. Yes. And then pumping your blood close to the surface of your skin, which press, which is pressed up against the ambient air, which should be cooler, right. which is why you flush, right? Yeah. Um, in babies, like you say, if you're trapped in a car, a baby's um, sweat process mm-hmm. mechanism isn't very well developed, so right. it's not going to get cool, right? That's so sad. And then the the other problem with heat stroke is, is you um, lose your ability to salivate, mm-hmm. so you can't swallow. Right. So even if you're out in the desert, even if you have water, after a point, you can't you can't drink fluids any longer. They have to be introduced intravenously. That's right. That's bad news. That's very bad news. And your blood thickens too, Chuck. With uh, heat stroke? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're one step away from saying the word coagulate. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, uh, If you are very hot and you're overheated and you're not cooling down, Josh, and you uh, see some of the following, then you're uh, you should really try and get into some shade. Toot sweet. Let's hear it. Uh, rapid pulse, very strong, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, I imagine the heart's beating really fast. Um, hot, dry skin, headache, dizzy, hyperventilating. And these, I get the sense, escalate as uh, we go here. Hyperventilate, confusion, nausea, seizures, hallucination, and then unconsciousness. Yeah. So if you're hallucinating, you're about to go into the uh, into the light or into the dark. Yeah. Depending on which way you want to look at Especially it. if your hallucination's like, get in the shade. Yeah. And your organs are going to swell. You could go into shock, mm-hmm. and you could die. Yeah, pretty easy. Your whole body can just shut down. And Apparently, that's just from heat. That's not even from like the sun's rays or damage or anything. That's just from getting so hot. Right. Unbelievable. Um, and apparently when your blood does thicken, once you hit that 104 degree mark uh-huh. and your blood starts to thicken, it can't be pumped toward the surface any longer. You're not sweating. You can't swallow. Right. Um, after that, you reach a point where your body temperature just skyrockets up. And that's that for you. Really? Yeah. You're cooked. I wonder how high it can get. I think it's at 108, 112. Really? And then you're dead. Whew. Yeah. I know that like, when you have a really bad fever, if it gets up to a certain point, it's hospital time. Well, plus uh, a bad fever can um, cause brain damage. That's right, Josh. And uh, I looked for some newsy items for this. And of course, it's always just some sad story about a parking lot. But workers in Japan, <laughs> the nuclear... Uh, uh, reactor site have been suffering from heat stroke. And so they've got, you know, cool rooms set up and they're very aware of this problem. From the radiation, the heat generated by the radiation? Yeah, and just being in those suits and they can't, uh, you know, sweat and evaporate like they, they normally could. Goodness. I know. Wow. It's like add one more risk to <laughs> the dangerous job they're doing. Yeah. So what's what's another way the sun can kill you, Chuck? Uh, skin cancer, Josh. Um, yeah. No drum roll there. No drum roll there. Um the sun emits many different wavelengths of light, and the one that is damaging to us is UV, ultraviolet light, mm-hmm. that we cannot see. Which means bluer than blue. Shorter. It's bluer than blue? Yeah, remember? Yeah, oh, that's right. Redder than red, bluer than blue. Uh-huh. We can't see it. That's right. 
but we can be damaged by it. Oh, yeah, very much so. So check, there's two kinds of uh, UV rays that hit us here on Earth, UVA and UVB. Right. And UVA is the the kind of uh, ultraviolet radiation that really penetrates the skin down to the dermis mm-hmm. um, and does a lot of cellular damage, um, DNA damage, right? UVB is the sun's burning rays. Right. It's more potent, actually, than UVA. But uh, first of all, it can be deflected by window glass, so it doesn't hit us when we're inside. Um, but secondly, it can't penetrate as deep into the skin, so it, it doesn't cause cancer. It just burns you, literally. But That's U- right. UVA is the one that gets in there and can disrupt the normal function of cells. Right. And uh, if you get wrinkled and freckled, um, this is all because of UV exposure. If I reckon if you never uh, saw the sun's rays, you would probably look very youthful. I would think so, too. For, for much longer than your average Joe out in the sun. Yeah. Uh, we do have proteins in the skin called elastin, and they're very springy and fibrous. It helps us to uh, stay young, but uh, UV exposure damages and breaks down that elastin, and eventually that could lead to lesions, tumors, that kind of thing. Right, and UVA specifically goes in and um, basically turns our melanocytes, the melanin-producing, pigment-producing, Cells uh-huh. in the skin, uh, it basically says you're cancerous now, right? Because cancer is uncontrolled cellular growth, right? That's right. So the mel- the melanocytes start to reproduce a little too quickly, then all of a sudden you have a tumor. There are three kinds of skin cancer, Josh. There's the basal. Is it basal or basal? Basal. Uh, I I would imagine probably both, Chuck. I think if you're from England, you'd say basal. <laughs> basal cell carcinoma, mm-hmm. uh, squamous cell carcinoma, and melanoma. And the first two aren't very dangerous. Um, they're about 95% of all cases of skin cancer, the first two kinds, and you're you're doing okay if you have one of those. You can get it removed. It's really not that big of a deal. Right. It turns to a melanoma. That's when it's serious, and uh, about 75% of skin cancer deaths are from melanoma. Yeah, and if you if you find it early enough and treat it, yeah. um, melanoma has a pretty high survival rate. Very um, much. I think a 98% survival rate. Um, a five-year survival rate if you get it before it gets to the lymphs. When it hits the lymphs, then the survival rate starts to drop dramatically. Yeah, and uh, 80%, this is an interesting fact, 80% of your whole life's UV exposure comes before you're 18. Right, and I thought about that, and it makes perfect sense because that's when you're a little kid who jumps like an idiot through a sprinkler or something like that. That's when you're outside. You're not yeah. punched over a computer. Right. You're outdoors. Yeah, and there's only, I mean, if you're a parent, you should take care of your child and slather them with sunscreen, but, you know, every day, if your kid's out playing and very active a lot, it's, chances are you're going to be slipping up there some. Well, but I think that, I don't know that that's necessarily okay, though. I think that needs to be a habit, you know, kind of like your your kid doesn't, you know, come out of the womb like, give me some pants and some a shirt. Right. The kid knows to put on a pant. I did, a actually. And shirt. I did asked you? for a shirt right away. <laughs> you're like, I need to cover up. Yeah. Um, I think this needs to be part and parcel with going out if you want to, you know. I think yeah. skin cancer is a far greater problem than people are aware. Yes. Um, and I think just it, you you make a good point in this article that um, it's one of the more preventable kinds of cancers just by using sunscreen. Sunscreen, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think it should be part of going outside. And apparently also not just on sunny days. On a cloudy, overcast day, oh, still, sure. like 80% of the UV rays make it to the surface. Yeah. 
So Tan- tanning beds too. If you think that it's not sun, so it's not hurting me. That tanning bed is the same thing. Yeah. Chuck, can we talk for a second about SPF? Can we solve the riddle of what SPF is? Yeah, they, they recommend fifteen, but I would say higher than that if well, you want total protection. They changed it recently. Oh, it's really? A thirty now. The uh, American okay. Academy of Dermatology uh, recommends thirty. They just said double it, just to be on the safe side. Pretty much. Yeah. But there, I, I suspect that there is something of like a, a mechanism like that involved because SPF it means uh, sun protection factor. Um, the number, right? Mm-hmm is the number of times longer that product will prevent a sunburn yeah. than unprotected skin. Right. Right? So if it takes 10 minutes for unprotected skin to get a sunburn, uh, SPF 15, it'll take 150 minutes yeah. in that same sunlight, right? The problem is they're like, well, you, sh- you should still go ahead and, and reapply this every two hours anyway, right. at least. Um and then after you sweat or after you're in the water. So that's two hours at the most. So an SPF 15 would protect you, and yet they say SPF 30 is recommended. I, I don't understand it. Hmm. But, I mean, any idiot can look at suntan lotion that's SPF 70 compared to SPF 5 and see that it's thicker. Yeah. So I guess that's just it. Either that or you can just put primer on yourself. Right. <laughs> and really protect. Some kills. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I've always wondered what SPF was... How they how they categorize that? Yeah, you didn't know that till now. No, interesting. That's because you don't wear it. I do wear it. I just didn't. <laughs> Why ask do you look questions. like George Hamilton? <laughs> I don't. Am I aging or something like that? No, you're just tan. Well, I'm always tan. I'm tan. <laughs> when you in come the back winter. from the beach, oddly. <laughs> All right. So uh, broccoli, and if you wanna if you wanna help yourself out, eat broccoli and eat uh, Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And if you say, "Ew, I don't like Brussels sprouts," grill them, baby. So good. I've never had those. Yeah, man. I never ate them either. But what you do is you get the Brussels sprouts, you kind of chop off a little nubby end, <laughs> toss it in a bowl with some olive oil and whatever your spices, you know, salt, pepper, rosemary, whatever you like. Right. Throw it on the grill and grill it. So good. I do the same exact thing, but instead of the grill, I just roast them for a while until yeah, they're really, the really crisp. Yeah. Good stuff. Or another thing you can do is you chop it in half and then uh, do it in the skillet and it kind of caramelizes. On the flat sides? Yeah. That's good, too. I have a good recipe for broccoli. So you take as much broccoli as you can find, <laughs> chop off the stalks, Uh huh. take the whole thing, put it into a plastic bag, and throw it away. You don't like broccoli? I hate broccoli. That's so weird. I love broccoli. I think broccoli is the most disgusting thing that's ever been on this planet. I think broccoli is <sighs> the worst thing the Romans ever invented. <laughs> I think I think broccoli's delicious. And they say, you know, steaming is probably the, I mean, raw is the best way to eat it. But I'm not into raw broccoli. So I have to steam mine a little bit. It is kind of tasteless, though. Not super flavorful. You're just not having it, are you? No, I, I think it's disgusting. And it's actually the taste that I can't stand. All right. So anyway, the reason I brought all this up is that there's a topical compound called ISC-4 found in these vegetables. And they think that if they add this... Uh, they've made a robust, uh, more robust version called ICS4. And if you add this to sunscreen, which mm. they're trying to get done, they think it might be able to uh, really beef up the uh, skin cancer prevention by adding this stuff from these veggies to your sunscreen. Huh. Pretty like cool. it, it uh, enhances its protection, protectiveness? Very much so. It is way too early. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't think we should record at 9 a.m. any longer. No, this is an emergency. 
All right, so Josh, the final way, and this is the most interesting and saddest uh, condition of all, is called uh, xeroderma pigmentosum. Yep. And that is very rare. Xeroderma is Latin for dry skin, and pigmentosum uh, refers to the colorations, the skin colorations that you get if you're one of the sufferers, one of the few sufferers. Yeah, I think there's been like 250 cases in the U.S. Yeah, at any given moment, I think there's about 250. So, Chuck, where did you find this this condition? How did you stumble upon this when you were writing this article? I think I was just looking for, you know, I think it came from a skin cancer site because you're very much likely to die from skin cancer if you have this condition. Right. Probably by the time you're middle-aged. And so uh, I think a person with um, xeroderma pigmentosa, you say that they're... We'll call it XP. Okay. okay. That's what that's what most people call yeah. it, right? Um, people with XP are about a thousand times more likely to develop skin cancer than a person without it. Yeah. And that can be up to 2,000 times more likely. Yeah. And so this isn't, like, you know, from laying out. This is like walking around in your house, right, and getting indirect UV radiation from indirect sunlight. Any kind of sunlight whatsoever. Yeah. Indirect, direct, obviously, is the worst. Even fluorescent lights? Yeah, there was this... Uh, there's been a bunch of stories about this, and they're all very sad and titled, sad titles. And this one from the New York Times is called Midnight's Children. Mm-hmm. And it's about uh, Camp Sundown, which is a camp that these parents started who have a daughter who suffers from this. And it's basically um, a couple of weeks out of the year in the summer, they just have a summer camp for kids that have this, and it's all you know flip-flopped. It's all at night, all the activities are, hmm. because they can't go out in the sun at all. And it's not just at a camp. Like, don't families who have a kid with XP have to um, basically do that anyway? Like, flip-flop their their nighttime and daytime? Yeah, the camp is just to give them some fun and, like, to be able to go to camp and socialize and flirt and do things that normal kids do. That's very sweet. Because one of the saddest parts about this is you're sequestered to your house during the day and you're outfitted, you know, all the windows are outfitted with the UV blockers and everything. And... um you know, all the kids that are interviewed are like, you know, when we're awake at night, my friends are all asleep. So there's nothing to do at night. That's one of the big problems. Yeah. If you're a kid. Yeah. It's really that, sad. And, that and infomercials are big problems of staying up all night. Yeah, that's true. Um, Chuck, they recently figured out what people with XP are lacking, right? It's an enzyme. Yeah, let's hear it. Which is, uh, well, there's a couple of ways to say this. The wrong way, which is what I'm about to do, and then the right way, which I'll probably never get. But uh, palmaricida. That sounds right. Um, or, depending on which part of the same article you want to consult, palmarase eta, like the Greek letter. Right. Um, basically, it's a it's an enzyme that allows DNA to continue replicating successfully even when UVA. Yeah, UVA radiation has damaged it. Right. It's basically like the the shield. Like, you guys keep going on. I'll stand here and take all the bullets. And uh, there's it's actually hopeful um, that it's an enzyme because stem cell stem cells mm-hmm. are gangbusters at replacing enzymes that are missing or oh, lacking yeah. in, in uh, conditions. So there could be an all-out cure for this in yeah. the next decade or so. Well, there is none now, and one of the reasons why it's taken so long to crack the nut, so to speak, is that it's um, it's genetic, and both parents have to have this uh, gene that you inherit. Right. So it's um, 
if both parents have to have it, and it's probably not the kind of, because if, if you have the gene and you don't have it, you don't even think about it. You're getting married to somebody who also has this gene that you have no idea exists. All of a sudden you have a kid that's born with this, and it's usually diagnosed by the age of two because it's so clearly, uh, the son so clearly damages your baby. This is the story from the New York Times. The mother uh, describes this. Uh, the baby was about six weeks old, and we put her to sleep in the shade of a tree. She began screaming hysterically like three minutes later. I mean, it's not like all day long. I mean, it's literally you go out into the sun and your skin starts blistering wow. immediately. She said in less than two minutes, her arms broke out in ferocious blisters that we thought were ant bites at first. Uh, each burn began as a little pinprick, then swelled up to the size of a quarter into a blister. You could literally see it happening in front of your eyes like time-lapse photography. Good God. So it's like something like a vampire in a movie goes out and the sun just starts like burning their skin. Wow. It's unbelievably sad. And that uh, that damage, like like we said, they're 1,000 to 2,000 times more likely to develop skin cancer. Uh-huh. Um, apparently, so it takes about 60 years of sun exposure before skin cancer really develops yeah. in most people. Um, in people with XP, it starts, the same tumors can start by age 10. So, so you have like skin damage, like horrific external skin damage, but at the same time, yeah. the uh, radiation damage is just working over time beneath the surface too. Yeah, well, this the same girl, you know, they go to this pizza place at 10 p.m., one of their favorite pizza joints because it doesn't have fluorescent lights, and there's literally like a case with sodas and ice cream with fluorescent lights, and the kid can't even go near that. Wow. Like all the other kids are there picking out their ice cream and... She can't do it. I mean, she's a very sweet girl, and she says, you know, night is cool. I love the moon so much better than the sun. And seems like she's got a great attitude, but it definitely is a scary thing when you can't play with other kids in the daylight. Like, she's literally never seen the sun. She said, I've seen it on television. Wow. Isn't that sad? Yes, but there is NASA's on the scene, right? Yeah, they got a cool suit. Yes, for like two grand, mm-hmm. which is relatively cheap considering what it can let you do. But basically, you can put a kid in one of these suits, a kid with XP in one of these suits, and they can walk out into the uh, into the sunlight. It blocks, I think, 99.9% of UVA yeah. and UVB radiation. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a bulky suit or whatever, but they can go outside and play with their friends. Yeah. So there is some hope. There's the stem cell thing, too. Right. And there's Camp Sundown, which is awesome. And uh, if you... Are one of the few sufferers, I'm sure you already know about XPS, but it's the XP Society, and that's like the place to go for information and support and stuff like that. So, um, mega flares, heat stroke, skin cancer, zero derma pigmentosum. Mm-hmm. Anything else? I don't think so. So that's oh, it. Those are the ways. Yeah, and actually, one extra fact about XP is a lot of the sufferers go blind because it's very harsh on the eyes as well. Good Lord. I know. I'm so sorry. This is pretty heavy for 9 a.m. It podcast. really is. Bummed you up for the day. Well, if you want to learn more about the sun and ways it can kill you, and you want to read Chuck Bryant's first sentence in this one, it's good stuff, um, you can type in, can the sun kill you, in the search bar at our venerable website, howstuffworks.com, right? That's right. And it's uh, time for listener mail, Chuck. Yes, this is a little long, but this is actually a follow-up and 
so few follow-ups do we get. This is a guy, Dan. I don't know if we read it on the air, but he was inspired by our Bhutan podcast. Mm-hmm. Remember, do you need money to be happy, that kind of thing? No, that was, um, is Bhutan onto something with gross national happiness? Well, yeah, but it was the, the essence of it was money equating happiness and should you give it all up and, and drop out? And be oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We, asked, we called for uh, yeah. stories at the end. So this dude, Dan, uh, did so a year and a half ago, and he told me he was going to do it at the time, and he actually followed up a year and a half later. Wow. So this is like a real test case. So uh, two years ago, I was living the American dream, 2,000-square-foot house in rural New Hampshire, working a stable job at a Fortune 100 company, raking in at six figures. I had the dog. I had the loving girlfriend. But my life was hell. I worked mornings, nights, weekends, stressed beyond comprehension, and commuted two hours a day, and spent my free time doing house-related chores. Saw so little of my dog that when I came home, he didn't even get up off the couch to greet me. Hmm. Isn't that sad? That is lazy dog. Okay, my girlfriend and I discussed the predicament and came to the conclusion we would choose to continue. Uh, we could choose to continue living such a dreadful life until we died, or we can uh, make a break for a new experience on our own terms. So that's what they did. They put their house on the market, sold it that spring, quit their jobs, uh, got married in June with a simple celebration and a bluegrass band, and then with only a car, our dog, and a couple of suitcases set off for Portland, Oregon. Not sure why Portland. I think that's where everybody in the situation really? starts, yeah. Portlandia? Yeah. Uh, it's been close to a year now living in Portland, and it's been an interesting experience. Uh, there was a close call. We were running out of funds, still unemployed, and almost cashed in on our dreams. Uh, but we were saved uh, by a random occurrence that landed my wife a job. They so- met Daddy Warbox. <laughs> Despite 10% unemployment in Portland, we both had jobs by January and were confident that we could be successful in our transition. Uh, now we live in a small one-bedroom apartment. I make one-third of the salary that I did uh, back in New Hampshire, but I only work 40 hours a week. I love my job. I have a 30-minute bicycle commute to work, uh, which is along the waterfront. Nice. I only drive my car twice a month. Uh, I used to have heart palpitations from the daily stress. Now I have none. I have a lot of free time on Mondays. My wife and I have dance lessons. Nice. Wednesdays, I'm in a kickball league, <laughs> which you know something about. Sure, I've played kickball. With Jerry. Yes. On her team. Never should have played <laughs> kickball together. Uh, Tuesdays, I volunteer at a local nonprofit theater. Thursdays and Fridays, I catch several pints at the local pubs. And weekends, I hike and uh, experience the great things that Portland has to offer. He's written and produced songs, and he says he actually has saved more money now than when he had the big six-figure job. That is so cool. Isn't that cool? I'll bet his hair has increased in length by at least 40%. <laughs> it has. And uh, now when I come home, the dog is wagging his tail and meeting me at the door. So what a great ending here. Uh, he says it hasn't been easy on tra- in traditional terms, but it has been easy for us. Once you decide that what you own has no value to you, then most things that you worry about go away. That is so cool, Dan. And, uh, yeah, that's basically the essence. He said having free time is a great opportunity to get to know your significant other, to volunteer, and to get in shape. And that is all I have to say from Dan. Well, congratulations, Dan. That's a fantastic story. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally giddy. You went from a, a dirty yuppie to a dirty hippie in a year. <laughs> nice. Nice. We applaud you for it. Yes. It's an excellent story, and I'm glad he wrote in. Thank you very much for following up, Dan. Yeah, and let's. I'd like to hear from Dan every year. 
to see what's going on. So, Dan, I challenge you to email us again next uh, spring. Okay. Okay. How about that? That's good stuff, Chuck. If you have any stories of amazing transformation, it doesn't have to be necessarily like taking a step back. It could be anything. If you haven't seen somebody in a couple of years and they change from point A to point B and it's just been astounding, we want to hear about it. We love stories like that, right? Yeah. Uh, you can post it on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash stuff you should know. You can tweet it to us, SYSK Podcast, or you can send us an old fashioned email at stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?